Welcome to the Fab Four Free Four. Oh, the show's over now. That was such a long. It was intro. a long <laughs> intro. I know. My God. Thank you, folks. Good night. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All. I'm your moderator for today's show, Rob Leonard. And joining me as always is, or are, my co-host, Mitch Axelrod. Hello, everybody. And Tony Truguardo. Greetings and salutations. And today, our topic is the movie A Hard Day's Night, but not the review of the movie, though we are gonna, going to talk about the movie some part, but we're going to talk about the reissue for the 50th anniversary, which came out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. So we're going to talk about all the things that were part of that and, you know, is it everything it was supposed to be and stuff like that. How good the picture looks. And st- so I thought it was pretty good. Well, I think it's a- pretty. It's very nice. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> so... This, this, and we're going to talk about the extras. And the extras. Well, that's that's the Yes, there part. were thousands of extras that were hired to... <laughs> we're yes. going to name each one of them individually. And Frank Sam, Smith. Samuel and they're, Goldwyn. They're, they're actually part of the... There's a commentary track. They took a lot of people who sort of worked with the Beatles But let's talk cast-wise. about the film first. Let's talk about the film first. It came out... In uh, July of 1964, that was when the world. Well, I thought you meant the actual remake. Oh, <laughs> I don't care about when the film came oh, out. Oh. We well, know that well, we've already in perspective. Uh, Some, actually, you know, it, they premiered in July of 64, but didn't hit the states really until like more like August. I remember a couple of years ago doing some research, and I'm going through the New York Times to see where it's playing in the city, mm-hmm. and it actually more open towards August. Than, yeah, you, it's you, got widespread you, distribution. You think about the way movies are today, everything opens super wide. Back then, they didn't do it as much. Yeah, and if it doesn't gross $87 gazillion in the first weekend, it, it disappears from half the houses the right. following week, and some, it was the opposite back yeah, then. Yeah, and, so, and some movies would play in the same theater for months and months and months, which I'm sure Hard Day's Night did in some places. Oh, yeah. But- what do you want to talk about first, Mitchell? I want to talk about the Blu-ray release. The Blu-ray. Which it was released. Uh, it, they, you know, they they went back. Now, in 1995, A Hard Day's Night and Help were both redone. Uh, it was done for the American AMC, American Movie Classics Film Preservation. I didn't mean redone. I was going to say they redid them with the well, Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Okay. I think so. <laughs> Ew. Sorry. Ew. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Not that. <laughs> But they went back to the film, and they, they, they cleaned it up. A guy named Paul Rutan did it, and I guess 20 years later, they have to do it again, because I have to say, it looks a little bit better, but they also have done some stuff that they went back and they found some audio tracks, which they hadn't found Well, before. they also found different reels from the original negatives, right. as opposed they, to- They went back they further. They did a they lot of research to, on this. Yeah. You, can count, you can count the threads. I mean, I you always use that line, but you can count the threads on the friggin' jackets. Yeah, that was- that's, It's mind-boggling. And, and I didn't realize until I, I was watching the making of uh, the A Hard Day's Night, you can't do that, and they have clips in it, of course, and you see the clips after just seeing the movie on Fixed Up- and there's a huge difference Absolutely. in the print, and it was very noticeable. That's, I mean, like, like, whoa. Yeah, well, this yeah. was essentially, this is a frame-by-frame digital restoration right. 
done by Criterion. 4K. And 4K. A 4K restoration. Uh, so this is, as of 2014, really the state-of-the-art method for doing a transfer to yeah, the digital medium yeah. for a piece of film. So And yeah. Blu-ray wasn't around in 1995 right. when they last worked on it. Right. We're 64. Yeah, we're 64. <laughs> but it is interesting that the... You know, if you think about this film, this is a, a major film in, in the history of film. Yeah. For, for musicals, it wasn't kept properly, I think. Well, in our piece with Giles Martin, he talks about the fact that they had to go looking around for parts, really. If you have a cream puff automobile, you know it's worth something. It's in your garage. It's in one place. But in a way, that's just one thing, one piece. At the time when that car came out, you didn't know that that car was going to be a revered, respected, well-loved car 50 years later. It's the same thing holds true with the Beatles, sure. but that there were elements. You know, there were 50 parts to, to make up the film. You know, But the problem is that who knew that that it wasn't in that one garage. I mean, you have the original negatives, and then, of course, you have dupe negatives that were done for the theaters. Right. And then you have, I had no idea, to be quite honest, that there were separate audio tracks that were not attached to the film. Right. I mean, right. I thought everything, once you put the film together, I mean, I know they, they make them separately, but I didn't know that they keep those audio tracks somewhere different. You think they were just connected to the film and say, this is the master, but right. yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so. it's amazing... How, how the restoration is now done, and as we did speak with Giles, even the audio track is cleaned up. What they found is they found uh, a reel in the, uh, the British Film Institute, I believe it was, BFI, mm -hmm. and for me, one of the things I was, when I rewatched the movie, the whole movie's over-modulated for, for many parts, especially in the beginning, and they found this reel that wasn't as over-modulated as... <laughs> The previous version. So this thing where it's sort of like this sometimes, you know, and you, the mouths aren't matching what the words say because it's obviously overdubbing because they're on a train. They're actually filming on a train. Right. And there's noises and stuff. Uh, but they went back and they found this this reel and it, it helps a lot yes. in watching yes. the first third of the movie. Because yeah, I understand the dialogue. Well, it helps and it hurts because, you know, sometimes you can get too clean. And I know we're talking about he's very clean. Yeah. But, and, and the audio is very clean. Yeah. But almost too clean. And this is not a knock, but you mentioned it at one point because we all saw it at a private screening, right. at uh, yes. a press screening at Criterion offices. And to be truthful, it wasn't the ideal setting. They didn't have great 5-1 there at all. I thought this, the screen was very small well, compared to, you know, it, sure. I mean, if you're going to really see it as a press screening, you'd like to see it in a big theater like the, you know, the Ziegfeld in, right. in New York City. But sure. Unfortunately, they can't afford to do that, so they're doing it in their little office. So it was, we were at a little bit of a disadvantage until we got- They were very nice people, though. Oh, no, no, yeah. absolutely spectacular people. But, you know, we, we really didn't get to see what we wanted to see until we got the discs. Right. And then when you watch it, it was almost too clean. The picture is perfect. I love it. But the audio, you had mentioned when you first saw it, Rob, that- it almost seemed a little out of sync. And then again, I went back to the MPI version, and that's out of sync too a little in many it places. Is. They it, didn't do anything now to out of sync it, so No, to speak. but what I think they did a little bit, and they did this for The Godfather. When Coppola did, redid The Godfather for Blu-ray, uh, remember the scene with um, Lee Strasberg? Remember the scene, they're cutting up Cuba? Yes, if, yes, If yes. the original version, the mouths didn't and the words didn't match. Right. What Coppola went back and did is he sort of, because it's digital, you can go literally frame by frame. Yeah, of course. And yeah. he sort of matched up. It looks so much better. And they pretty sure they did the same thing on this. The voices match the movement of the mouse much better. But 
you can tell where the overdubbing is now because it's so clean. You sort of can. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You yes. really can now yeah. see, oh, wow, that's definitely there, overdubbing. There are things where you're hearing voices and there's no movement. But you do have to remember that we are also looking at the film anytime there's a new release or something or something like that. We, because of what we do, we are looking at everything with a hypercritical eye. Oh, absolutely. As a casual viewer. It didn't matter. Watching the movie. It looks great. It's not even that it didn't matter, but I would think that I would be hard pressed to find someone who would notice it on casual viewing. I, I don't True. say it's out of We're sync. looking for something looking because for, we're reviewing well, it. Yeah, so it, yeah. it doesn't bother me, though. I've never minded that in a movie. No, because, I haven't either. Because no, that's not, just part of the way a movie's put together. Right. No, but if, we, but if we're being fair, and as reviewers right now, yeah. as fans, I went in there and you know, pitched the tent. So, but if, but if, you know what I mean. But I mean, now- You went at, camping? Yes, I, movie? I did. It was wow. great. No, but as a, you know, as a reviewer, right. if you're being hypercritical- he only we went camping to. for a couple of minutes, though. So, <laughs> anyway, sorry. And then it was over. Oh, Thank wow. you. No, seriously, as a reviewer, you're going to say, okay, it's very clean, and yeah. we love it, but you can see where the overdubbing was well, that, now. As a of, fan, I didn't really care, but as a reviewer, you've got to at least tell the audience, look, this is what we noticed. That's just part of the fair. problem with digital, though. You just, yes. When yes. you make it too clean, yeah. that's why when the compact disc first came out, people were like, oh, wait a minute. I want to hear the pops and right. the hisses and the well, crackles. I, it's too clean. I, to, I told you the first time I heard, you know, and this is with all due respect, and every, but first time I heard Donald Fagan's lisp at the beginning of- Or Roy uh, Orbison's. Or Roy Orbison's. He's yeah, a mystery yeah, girl. Yeah, you you just, hear it. You, oh my God. Right, which like, makes you know, it too clean, but you're like, yeah. wait a minute. And, and maybe over a hiss and a pop, you don't hear that as much. No. And that's what the disc, same thing with this. I'd still rather years, hear Asia on compact disc. Yes. Mm. And 50 years on, they made this- so perfect. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, right. but I don't know I, if you can make this any better. I agree with the, that. The hologram. It just shows up in your living room. They're actually, you're on the train with them in the seat next to them. Yeah, and you actually feel yourself bouncing you're along. The you know, in, you're in the, the dog. You're the dog. In the kennel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it works very well. And I agree with you that I can't see them doing any more to with the film. Unless, what can you do? Unless they find like a totally un overmodulated thing where they go back yeah, to Yeah, but who's going to care at yeah, that point? Yeah, who's going to find it at, first And at this, well, I don't think anybody's going to look for it. No. I, and at this point, th- you know well, what? I think they've looked for it enough. I think, you know. What I, will happen 10 years from now is they will try to digitally <laughs> recreate <laughs> the Beatles' voices and sing them into the film. What the hell is <laughs> that? I'm just saying. Stevie Bibb and Hawking. Oh, oh No, but you. you know what I mean? Like, it'll just be over the top because what, what always happens is I think with a lot of these things, it's sort of like the Peter Principle, where you know someone always gravitates to the right. position above where they're really supposed to. It's the same thing with this. At some point, they're going to do some redo, or re- and it's just going to be jumping the shark. Like right. it's going to be over the top, and like, okay, well now you've completely effed up the whole thing. Well, the you only know? thing I could mm-hmm. see them doing in the future is if all the colorizing sudden, it. No, yes, yes no, right. no. Be... People, no, people have talked about it, and when the, when the speculation about the Blu-ray was you know happening, and so oh, when Giles tweeted the picture right. of you know him doing it. Everybody said, oh, I can't wait for it to be colorized. Other people were like, get out of here. Please don't. There was a whole debate. Oh, and sure, sure. I don't want it colorized. They would never, no, they would never colorize not. it. But it would, no, they can't. Be, but that's yeah. the only thing left. You know? Yeah. Well, if you remember think. on In Living Color, they used to do the colorized versions yeah. of movies, and they would have African-American people <laughs> right. doing the parts, which, which was very funny. But I, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine them doing that for the Beatles. Or be like, like, they just bring in the Temptations. All of a sudden. <laughs> no, well, if you remember what Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy, Clarence, you know. Oh, yeah. I did, I did. I was, oh, that was me, you know, doing the, 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 the uh, well, saxophone. Well, one, one of the things about this movie, it says, Director Approved, Dual Format Blu-ray, 
But from what I found out, because Mark oh, Lewis yeah. asked him, he didn't even approve it. He didn't even care. He didn't see Richard it. Richard Lester didn't like sit, he didn't sit down and watch. He just said, yeah, I approve it. I approve he, it. He you didn't. know why? Because the question ended with ching. <laughs> and he said, oh, yes, I approve it. Yes. Here's your check. Do you yes, approve? Your, I, yeah, I do. totally but, approve you know, the funny check. Thing, the thing about the, the bonus extras, the ones that were done for this edition, he's not in any of it. He's in You Can't Do That. He's right. in... Uh, the other one things I we believe said he's today. Been, he's in the ones that they did for the Martin Lewis yeah movie. for the 2002 one but not for this one well it, he's he's like 82 now he's um, he's not and we tried to what? get him on the show to right. be fair yeah. and Mark Lewison helped us with that thank you Mark but he just said he's going to do the one I believe on July 3rd in 2014 he did yeah. something with Mark Lewison yeah, which at, is on the internet if you want to look for it well, yes some and it it's very some of it is yeah and it was very good but it was like that's it right and after that he didn't want to be bothered yeah I, I, and he did it for the uh, British Film Institute at BFI yeah he did yeah, and, so and some people in America went like, over there which that's great. like the American Film Institute that's like the high thing and he's probably saying I don't have to do anything else and thank you and right. good night yeah basically right. I mean it, you know what this sells itself oh, sure. no matter what sure. and we're, we're going to get into the extras in a minute but the one thing I don't like about this and you have to love everything about a hard day's night but i don't like that they put it out again as the 50th anniversary and almost up to this point as of this taping made this like the focal point of the beatles celebration well think about it. The, the beatles worked because we've had this before the beatles worked apple worked with the owners of the film bruce a karsh and, and his wife, they have a foundation right. that owns this now. Right. So they worked this time. They allowed the, the sound to be remixed by Giles. They obviously allowed themselves to be part of this. In 2002, when they did it, when Miramax put it out, Apple didn't do anything. They put out that really bad 5.1 mix. It was a really bad chop-up of the stereo. This time, Apple is, is part of it, but in 2002, they weren't. So uh, Well, I, I think Apple sort of had no choice because it was going to come out no matter what. Well, it's not that, you know, usually Apple gets involved when it's their product. They well, don't know either that or they get involved litigiously. You're right. Unless there was some sort of payment or agreement along the way uh, with the owners, you know, Walter Shenson's name was taken off right at the beginning. That Walter Shenson production tag at the beginning of the movie yeah. uh, isn't there anymore that, for whatever reason. Well, because he doesn't own it. Well, anymore. yeah, but still, I mean, well, historically, no, you, uh, historically, yes. But this you know. is not about. This is about today, and they made this movie about today. So, uh, you know, you're talking about Apple getting involved because Apple wants to be involved with all, everything, pretty much 50th anniversary, right? Which is understandable, and well, they, should. they should. They should. So now you've got people like Jonathan Clyde mentioned, who's a, a producer of a re remaster. You've got, I think, Aaron Bremer, who is the historical researcher for uh, who I've met several times, a nice guy. So, you know, they are involved, right. but they don't own the movie. Right. Which is kind of odd. I, re I really don't yeah. get it after all these years. Uh, well, I'm so. sure they tried to buy it at one point. The one thing I, I will say, just one thing about the audio, and we talked about it with, we didn't talk about it with Giles. Oh, are you talking about the movie dialogue or are you talking about the music? The, the music. Okay. 5.1. I know Giles said he did the best he could, and he did. With what you have to work with, three tracks on. It's a four-track. Potentially, recording. you know, she loves you is right. mono, and right. uh, and they made it five one. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Right. You guys came over to my house and we listened to it in five one. It does sound nice. Yes. It it did. Yeah. But it's just odd how the movie goes from five one uh, from non five one into a song which tries to be five one. Right. So the only criticism I have is that 
and it's not a criticism of Giles. It's it's a criticism of what you have to work with. Well, part of it is is the dialogue reel, right? It, you know, that's a mono reel. So to spread that on the five point one, you can you, you can do it, but it's not. You end up what you had in two thousand two. Yeah, that, a fake. That's very, very bad dual phonic, basically. Well, we five point one. They sort of be dexterizing. What <laughs> yeah, they did. basically, yeah. You really shouldn't do that, and they didn't to their credit. But then the five one, because of what you had to work with, only works on some of the tracks. Yeah. Some well, better than others, well, you, some not. Right. What you don't want happening in five one, which I know there are some films that do try doing it with dialogue, is that if you're looking at a scene of three people sitting in a room, they start trying to put dimension on the speaker. So well the person who's on the if you're looking at the screen on your right, they bring more into the right speaker. Right. And the and that just gets if that's done too much, that just gets very distracting. You get dizzy. You, you get, get dizzy because it's the whole idea that you you're really just watching a film and the film should be an image coming to you from a flat it's two dimensional no matter what you do. Even if you're wearing three D glasses, it's still a two dimensional object Correct. that you're looking at. So you don't need it to be occupying your space. You need it to be coming from where you're being entertained. And I think Giles got that. So I think that's why he the got that dialogue to the best of is, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why the dialogue is is kept reined in without a lot of and, change. And also happening part with. part of the thing is everything you see on the screens in front of you. Usually, if you're going to use five point one, there's like a voice coming from behind you, so to speak. Yeah, you would have that yeah, there, but you yeah. basically keep it in, in stereo. Yeah, or and, and I'm I'm glad they didn't try messing with yeah, that. Yeah, they, they it's, didn't. It's and, and too it was, much. They had to have remembered what they did in the Miramax thing. I remember getting that, and I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I kept my MPI version because the Miramax release was not. Right. What it should have been. Well, you're this really. This is what it should be. That's well, one thing I, I will say about I, this. The only thing I'll say to that is that you really need to keep every version you have because uh, each one is different. Every, and every I don't version. know if they did that on purpose. <laughs> I don't know. Because this is not the end all be all. No, it's Even not. though it's in picture quality wise. Picture quality. But, you're right. Yes, but, you know, audio, uh, extras, you have to keep every one. Every and, one. And the, the first one. MPI has the, the epilogue, the prologue, whatever for right. Outcry of Dead. And News and Welch. <laughs> yes. The rest of them, I mean, you really have to have every one. So yeah. the other thing, let me just say one thing. And we asked Giles and it wasn't, it wasn't maybe answered to the best of visibility because I don't know if he really understood what we were saying because it was an email. But I do have to say, we've watched it and Tony and I saw it in the screening. You didn't until afterwards. That one part, and I love her, where you hear the second behind right. extra Well, then call. you played it when we, when we came over to your house. And you heard it. I mean, yeah, it's, and it's, it happens both times in the movie. Yeah. And it, it's just a question of Giles going back to the original tracks, and it happened to be there. Yeah. And either it wasn't caught in quality control or... Yeah, that is, but that when is you listen, hard to believe they missed that. I cannot believe that. They should have yeah. blipped it out. And again, this is not a knock on Giles. It's after he did everything. Yeah. I think so, it just gives you yet another type of variation on it. Uh, it's it's yeah, in but there, it, but... But it's that, not a good variation. But no, but it's just very fixed. noticeable. That's yeah, and it also takes away... My biggest issue with it, and what we're talking about is there's a moment where Paul's voice in the double tracking... The second chorus, where he says, was in vain, you hear the was a second before a, it, another Paul... It's not a full second yet. I'm sorry, if I fell. No, 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 I love her. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's if I fell. But if you hear the second, when he says, was in vain... Listen carefully, because you hear was, and also we're like, wait a minute, where, where was that? Yeah, it, it's pre- noticeable. Yeah, it's it's noticing. It's and about a second. The big, prior. the only thing that disturbs me about it is that it calls attention to the fact that it's double tracked, and you're obviously only looking at one pole on the screen. 
Yes. So that's the only thing that bothers me about, about well, it. Yeah, really. but I mean, it's, they could have caught that because it's so noticeable. Yeah. And it happens again in the uh, Seville Theater scene, too. Right. Uh, you hear that. I mean, Scala they use the field. same thing. Scala oh, Scala. Yeah. I keep Seville. My God. I'm really. I'm off today, people. Are you off? You're off, Mitch. Mitch <laughs> is done. out. Sorry. Fine. It's just. That's it. Mitch is gone. <laughs> this is a two strikes rule. Two strikes, rule. yeah. And then, <laughs> I don't even get that third strike. I'm sure they'll get that third strike in about a minute. The, uh, at the Scala Theater. All right, Rob. It was a good run. It's just you and me now. Five years. <laughs> And I'm done. Five years. So, at the Scala Theater, you do see, you hear it again because right. they obviously use the same track. Yeah. Other than that, it, it really didn't bother me. Everything's I, really. I really, and one one thing, watching you can't do that again. When I was watching, I watched it last night when before we record this. One thing we always notice is that the music in previous versions was slower, yes. noticeably slower. Yeah. This movie does not have it. As slow. Well, it's still well, slow. It's, it's still, still slow. slow. The reason, the reason why the difference is because they made a correction in the frame rates. Right. The right. frame rates. The frame rates were transferred right. correctly for you. Can't do that. Right. They are still slow in the film. Giles did point out that part of that is the decision that you have to honor the film. Right. Um, and, and I and, understand that. And, and you know, and I think uh, the version that we have right now is pretty close to what you get. It's not like. In the versions we've heard before, it was a very noticeable slowing down of the track. Now, Walter Shenson always said, well, that's where the Beatles recorded them, and that's where we got them. That's not right. That's not right, because it has to do with the, the British film rate. Film per second. Yeah, yeah it's, per second. it's 25 versus 29.97 or 30. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. But it's also frame rate conversion from film to video. Right. There are people out there who know it more technically than right. we do, but it is all involved. And if you do one slight miscalculation or you do something wrong, it's going to quickly result in, from our perspective, m- meaning people who have heard this stuff way too much for anyone's own mental health, um, <laughs> right. you can hear the audible right. difference. So I think on this... This is, I think, very good. I only thought there was one little point it's where it was slower, and I didn't mind it. It just sort of like, okay. You know what? Listen, it was slow in 1964. Yep. It's slow in 2014. It's the way the film was done. Right. And you know what? I know I always say, you know, the let's do the, the McCartney quote from the anthology. It's the bloody Beatles Hard Day's Night. Right. Get over it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but th- this sounds better. Closest Absolutely. to the master tapes. But you don't don't mess with perfection. And you know what? It was perfect in 1964. They made it better in 2014, but they didn't mess with the original, which is what Giles was saying. Right. And you don't want to mess with it. And you can't. As much as you might get a little cutesy and, oh, well, we're going to make it a little, you know, you can't. Well, that's that's like colorizing it. You you certainly can now, but do you want to? No. Exactly. It's like colorizing March of the Wooden Soldiers with Laurel and Hardy. You've seen it so much in black and white. It's a classic. And then they colorized it, and now most people remember it for the colorized version because they didn't see it back in 1939. Well, they didn't show it. Now on TV, when they show it, they only show the colorized version. Right, but I don't want that ever to happen I to our But in my mind, it's still black and white. <laughs> Everything is black and white. Well, it's true. But I, I agree with that. you, you got to be careful. It's history, but at the same time, this is the closest to the normal-sounding masters that we know and love. One thing I will say, watching this again so many times, because we did, I mean, I've, I've watched it a lot now, and it was actually on... TV again, some stations in right. America at least. I think it was on. It was uh, on TCM. Um, yeah, I think it was also, even before it came out commercially. Right. Yeah. Actually, which that, I was very a week shocked. so a week before, before I was like, yeah. wow. And it was the the real. It was print, the Janus the film, print. which is Criterion. The one thing I'll say is that this film still holds up so well. It does. It's timeless. It's not dated. And when they filmed it, it was brilliant because you, there's nothing about it that's dated. 
Well, right. there's, there's little things. I would love to see like a pop-up video version. Oh, yeah, that would be, be cool. With some of the little things, like when he says news, when Victor Spinetti talks about news doing in Welsh. news in Welsh, you know, that's yes. that's a BBC yeah, thing. totally. And you, yeah, but- People should know about that. Yes, well, but we, that doesn't date it. Whether there actually was news in Welsh, I don't know, <laughs> but- well, there has to be. If there was Wales, there had to be news in Welsh. Well, you, you know, never know. Who knows? But I think uh, our fans have been requesting that we do a Mystery Science Theater and 3000 of Hard Day's Night, and it's coming. Well, I don't know. You know what? I don't know if we can, because I've said it to you privately. I said the Beatles themselves did it. Yeah. I mean, they ad-libbed everything, pretty much, a There's lot like, of it. So how right. do you And the stuff that's some of the, the in say? the script comes off as ad-libbed. Right. So how do, yeah. you, and the, and how do you beat that? How can't. do we do it? Yeah. Like, Magical Mystery Tour is very easy. Here yeah. comes the midgets. Yeah. You know, but I mean. <laughs> it goes Ringo like, driving fast. Yeah, like, I mean, what do you do for this? Yeah, I Magical mean, Mystery Tour is like Rocky Horror. Yeah. I mean, it calls for an audio commentary other than Paul doing it. And we did it. But I mean, how do you do it with. I don't think you could. I mean, it's, we could try. We could try, but I, I think, you know, how do you joke with this? Because I really get involved watching this movie. They're, well, not to be funny, but it's the reason why in Mystery Science Theater, the movies that are chosen are B movies. Yeah, because right. with an A movie, it's done right. You know, unless you have really have insight to add, you know, there's nothing there's, here. There's not really much because it's really just, it's not a. Well, it's damn close to a perfect film. I right, mean, so you don't... You don't you I don't even you think do it's it. a perfect film. I think there's a lot of things, if you pull it apart, there's a lot but, of music. it's like anything else, Almost though. too much music, right? in, in, in a way. But you know it's what like I'm, anything you know what else. But Absolutely. Think about it, though. 1964, the Beatles were hot. Right. No one knew they'd be no. here 50 years later. No. So what were they trying to sell? The music. Right, right. I mean, they're not trying to sell the Beatles because no, no. the Beatles... Oh, I agree. They could have been gone by the you time know, the film was but, done. But it's the idea of that, you know, we do so many review and analysis of albums and it's also that idea that sometimes if you take an album and you take it apart song by song you shake your head and you go how did all those songs make that amazing album and sometimes the whole is greater than some of the parts hard day's night yeah sure if you rip it apart you may sit there and say really but when you put it together it's a damn great film well one of the things about the movie is is that uh most of the bits are bits there's not a lot of like right. pages of dialogue, right. so to speak. Right, there are vignettes. Yeah. Well, little, it's only little pieces. vignettes to get to a song. Yes. Yeah. And guess yeah. what? It all works. It does. And that's why it, it all works for videos, too, now. Well, yeah. it's the reason why you know people talk about it. It was the first long-form music video. Yeah. It really, it really is. It was. I mean, it was, you know, you had a lead-in to the next track. And, I mean, and that's you, why Help is different, because Help was more of a script. Right. Instead of, you know, there was a which plot. Is why they which is really, this it. is... Another movie again. If you, you isolated about. some of those segments, if if somehow Hard Day's Night hadn't happened and somehow VH1 did, and you isolated some of those segments, or MTV actually, or MTV, but right. but if you isolated a segment of, you know, and here's the director of the TV show pulling his hair out because they're not here yet, the band's not here yet. What's going on? Oh my God, I'm going to be out of a job. Blah, 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 blah. And the band makes wisecracks, and one of the members is missing. You could take that four minute segment leading into the song. And a band could have done a video right. telling a quick little story and bang into the song, like they did years later well, on like, VH1. Well, for Thriller, so, yeah, Thriller exactly. was a whole little exactly. story. I mean, that could have been the same thing. Well, right. And also, I, I do remember MTV. Well, Thriller is based on the outtake from A Hard Day's Night when the Beatles all become zombies. Oh, that, oh, that, that right. was which, yeah, right. which A Hard Day's we've, Fright. A Hard Day's Fright. Yeah, we forgot about that. We've seen that. But, but one, one of the things about yeah. A Hard Day's Night was they actually... I think it was MPI put uh, cut it up into videos for MTV. So you right. saw I uh, uh, should have known better. You saw Can't Buy Me Love, but it was just the songs right. though. Right, just the songs. Right. No part of the film. Right. So it, it has been cut up. 
on the video. Anyway, so, we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to talk about all the bonus stuff right after this. Hi, everyone. Just wanted to let you know that besides Fab Four Free For All, each of the three of us are involved in our own individual projects. Mitch Axelrod's two books, Beetle Tunes, the only book about the cartoon Beatles show, and Little Billy and Baseball Bob, can be found through all of your good booksellers online, including Amazon.com, or if you'd like autographed copies, contact Mitch on Facebook. And my buddy Rob Leonard has a great Beatles show that he's been doing for 20 years called Beatles Songs, and it's on every Friday night from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen to it online. It's streaming at www.ncc.edu slash WHPC. And also look for it on TuneIn.com. And Tony Truquardo is the host of 4F, free format for free, on WCWP 88.1 on Long Island. He's on every Monday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And also at www.wcwp.org. Also available on TuneIn.com. And we're back here on the Fab Four Free For All. He said the. I know. I always do. <laughs> because it's the Beatles, not Beatles. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. True. Well, that's true. We're talking about The Hard Day's Night, the reissue on Blu-ray and DVD that came out on uh, Janice Criterion. 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 And we're going to talk about the bonus features. Uh, first of all, the audio, there's a mono track, a stereo track, and a 5.1 track. Nice to see two, the mono I track I think there's there. five, 5.1, there's two different 5.1s, whether it's like surround and DTS. Mm. And yeah, what, yeah, so. It's like, I don't know all that stuff. I just put it on and listen. It's part of the coding. That really yeah. depends on your machine. Yeah. I know. Like, yeah. I just, I listen. Yeah. I the was, mixes are the same. Yeah, they are. It yeah. just depends on which type of hardware you're using to. So, so I was glad they included a mono track because that was the original. You know, we, you know, should Ooh, have the original. Here we go, the way yeah. the Beatles intended. Yeah. Oh, so um, one of the things they have on here, they brought a couple of things over. From uh, the ML version. I don't even want to mention his name. <laughs> the boy could say his name. I'm kidding. Martin Lewis. Just, just call him Dean Jerry. From <laughs> Dean, <laughs> Dean Jerry. Martin Lewis was the uh, producer of the DVD in 2002 for Miramax. And he did a couple of And he'll of let things. you know it. Oh, yes, he will. <laughs> he did uh, The Things We Said Today documentary, and what was the other one he did? Um, oh, I don't care. Did, oh, he did the commentary stuff. Um, yeah, but you know what? We should go a little in order. Let's just say this right now. The Things We Said yeah. Today, they didn't clear it up. I'm sorry, the, uh, you can't do that. Right. They just put the one that he did. They didn't clean that up. And to be honest with you, I think it, it looks worse. Actually, I thought it was horrible print. Yeah, I mean, they, it looks worse than the one they put out it, in I agree with you. for some reason. Yeah. Well, what happened? It looks better on the, we're talking the about bootleg this. copies I have of the Ed Sullivan Show broadcast of it. Yeah. Well, but anyway. Oh, yeah. It's really the, weird. Yeah. yeah. It, it, oh, you're talking about the song in the show. Well, oh, that well, show. That, well I'm, I'm it, talking about that piece. Oh, yes, yes, that. yes, yes. It's horrible. It's, what um, happened? It looks horrible. You're they right. They didn't clean up anything. You know what? They just said, uh, let's transfer it from that version to this version, and we're not going to clean that up because- we didn't do it. He did it. But then again, the only thing they have is videotape from the Ed Sullivan show. Understood. So, but see, there's only so much you can do with yeah, videotape. Well, you can clean it a little bit. No, actually, think, you can't. Well, they didn't want right. to bother with it. One thing about a restoration, film is like the best thing. We should be recording this show on film because years later, we can restore it much easier. Yeah, but you can do video cleanup digitally that... When done carefully and expensively and time-consumingly, yeah. they didn't want to do it. You you yeah. don't leave too much artifacting, and especially in well, in black and white, you leave ghosting and shadowing, which you can then clean up right. 
again later. So it would take steps, and they just didn't want to invest no, the time they, in no, that three-minute No, they, three they did clip. what they had to do. Right, right. You can't do that. It's nice. It's nice, but it's it's actually kind of dated. It's 20 years old. It was done for the 30th anniversary. You know, there's interviews with people that maybe you wouldn't interview nowadays. I was talking about cleaning up the song segment. Oh, okay. Yes, but in general, general. In general. In general, but I, right. I just was letting okay. listeners know. Okay. I'm talking That's, about the okay. song Okay, yes. And, the, and the, the song is in there twice, actually. There's yes. A, in the middle of it, Phil Collins goes, here's what uh, he remembered seeing that, and then he wanted to know what happened to it, and then- there's, they give it. an answer. They give us uh, Richard Lester gives an answer, and then they play part of it. They didn't play the whole thing in the I middle. Know. It's so weird. And then at the end, they just like attached they, it. Right, like and it, you're right. They don't the, even give an intro to it at no, the end. They just all of a sudden it becomes black. Yeah, and then you see the clip. And you're, what? what? Yeah. What? yeah. What's confusing is Phil Collins keeps saying that that's what he saw in the stu stu studio. Oh, ooh, sorry. Thank you. I'm leaving. <laughs> thank you. Wow. That's my third strike. I'm out. <laughs> so uh, you can't do that as part of that. I was going to be mean about a couple of things, no. but then they're in, you can't do that. The American trailer for United Artists leads off the show, which I forgot about. Oh, that's and, right. And then that's right. The, the trailer that they made for the European market where they're in the when baby, the carriage, the the baby, baby carriages, pram, yeah. the prams, um, they have a, a version that has French subtitles. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's, they no, can't, version, there's right. no version. Even though it's in English, they have the French subtitles. But it, it's possible that they actually couldn't find that could be You're that right. clip. But uh, the reason why Rob was saying he was going to comment negatively is because when we did watch right. the Blu-ray release, we were questioning why the trailers weren't present, and we did uh, forget the, there, there are because two we, trailers. But they're right. from well, that, right. we're going to get to that. Once we had seen the quality, if you can't do that, we right. realized we knew the content. We had seen it before, so we didn't watch it through on the right. Blu-ray release. But Rob, I'm glad you caught that because yeah. it is in there. So. Yeah. So I, once I saw that, it actually opens the movie. The U.S. trailer. I was like, okay, that's a great way to open that show, first of all. And second of all, I like to see trailers. I think I they're too. very important parts of yeah. movies. Sometimes in the Help trailer, there was a scene that wasn't even uh, got right. cut out. Right. So there's stuff like that, too. So There's none of that in the Hard Day's no, Night trailers, nothing, though. No, I mean, nothing like that. In everything. Right. So you have that show, and I think it's a little bit dated. Like I said, they have people that you wouldn't interview today. You wouldn't interview Roger or Jim McGuinn, whatever you want to call them. You know, Mickey Dolenz doesn't really have a lot to say in well, it. Well, I, I don't know about not interviewing Roger McGuinn. Because, well, right, there, I agree. There is a story. I would interview, yeah. You really would. I know yeah. there's a story. They saw A Hard, hard Day's Night. night. They became the birds. I right. Mean, well, really. they were the birds, but they became- uh, They were the I bee mean. feeders. Yeah. Yeah, but the then- the jet they, setters. Yeah. Whatever they were. But then they saw, you know, George Harrison's guitar, Rick, and they all went out and bought Rick the- Rickenbacker. Yeah, the 12 strings. Right. They went, ooh. Yeah. And then- We should steal some of Bob Dylan's songs. Yeah. That was sort of a cross between Dylan and Zappa. I don't know what the hell that was. Where was that? He did Zappa where I walked yeah. in today. Yeah, a little weird. Happening. Well, I always call him my mother. <laughs> anyway, nice. not of invention, though. <laughs> nice. um, and the things they said today right. was also in, I think, the 2002 yes, version. Yes, it was, yeah. So, which okay. Richard Lester's in that and things we said today, but not in any, like I said. Nothing which, of the new stuff. Yeah, which, I mean. He didn't want to be bothered. He didn't want to be bothered. God yeah. bless him. I know, yeah. but. But he's really well represented because yes. in this instance, yes. and we'll get to it, but there's the running, jumping, standing still film. Right. right. So, that's, that, well, so there's a thing called Lester, Richard Lester. Yes, and there's a whole we thing. We get to that. Right. Now. So in that respect. He's in this. He's I mean, much not, more present even it, in this you, one, You know I what think. he reminds me of? It reminds me, Coppola's made a lot of great movies. But every time people meet him now, let's talk Godfather. 
And I think Lester is the same way. Let's talk a hard day's night. Well, because that's help. what he's and really like known for. Already. Yeah, and he's done other great movies. Well, he's done Three Musketeers, The yeah. Four Musketeers, you know, The Twelve Musketeers. <laughs> and I'm the freak who liked How I Won the War. Anyway. Um, no, no, no. How I Won the War is a very weird but good film. Yeah. yeah. Watch it carefully yeah. and you'll really understand yes. what it's for, about. It's not, yeah. not a funny film. It's not a funny film at all. And if you have never seen it, just- It's a little striking. Yes. And, you, and it's very British. Yeah, it's very British, but- Very British. Be prepared for the ending. Yes. Anyway. So- you know, there is the segment called, I think, Richard Lester, where they show the running, jumping, standing right. still. And we mentioned, we watched it together. And, you know, that is so much more of, as we all said, magical mystery tour. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. A Hard Day's Night. Especially yes. what struck me is it gets to a point where they show in the running, jumping, standing still film the whole idea of looking through it from the round camera lens yeah. perspective. And those Which shots, is the opening of I Am the Walrus. And, the, yeah. you and know. Those, uh, op- those scenes in the field. Yes. Uh, which they use yeah, yeah. very much in a, a magical mystery tour. So it was but much more of that. What yeah. did strike me, though, as much as I really do admire Dick Lester and as much as I'm, I love Python and goon humor, it didn't really strike me as being that funny. It wasn't. The painting by numbers segment is really cute. But the overall, the film, so those of you who are getting it thinking, oh, my God, I'm finally going to get to see the running, jumping, standing still film. Or you watch it as a film historian. Don't watch it thinking that this is going to be something that's going to crack you up and right. and be and the basis may. for Hard Day's Night's humor. Right? It may. It of may course. crack you up in certain, because it is very Python esque. Yes. It is, yes. Uh, yeah, it, it's more Terry Gilliam Python uh, or Terry Gilliam. But it's you know you're waiting for the giant foot to go. <laughs> yes, at the but, beginning, you know. but it's not. It's like six minutes long or twelve minutes long. Twelve minutes long. Twelve. But, yeah. but, you, yeah. but you're thinking to yourself, wow, when is it going to get funny? And yeah, maybe yeah, in Britain it yeah. was funnier. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if the UK people would tell that, us. That's who, why I'd like a pop-up video version of A Hard Day. And of course, the French, of, the of course the French worship it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. We just lost the French again. I Thank keep you. killing oh, the French. Oh, I'm what's, sorry. What's wrong with the French? Come on. <laughs> Wait. Time out. We love Jerry Lewis. Are you back? <laughs> okay. I do love Jerry Lewis. So anyway. And then we, there's, we something called, there's something called Picture Wise, which is a nice documentary on Richard Lester. Where you yeah. know, you get yeah. Spinetti and it's a nice little a nice little piece you know it has a a really cool help intermission parody yeah. and it re- and it reminds you of some of the other films that were you know you had the mouse that roared you also had the mouse on the moon right, which the Lester and, yeah as I went, said, and the Musketeers movies I, I like the idea they break down sort of like nine reasons why Dick Lester was kind of the right man for the job correct. Um, Lester, a lot of what goes on in Hard Day's Night, Lester had an inherent knowledge of kind of the accidents that happen on live television. Maybe, yeah. That's they mentioned there. And right. and it, the idea of the, you know, the old man coming up from the floor you yeah. know, during the right. segment and stuff right. like that. And don't forget, by the way, people know this, but Wilford Bramble was 50 years old when they made this film. And look how old he looks. Doesn't he look a day old, over 100. He looks old enough to be 60-something. Yeah. We're all 50. Or I'm, and, I, mean, and, I'm, I just turned 51, so. Yeah, and just to re, you know reveal this, for those of you who don't know. I'm the baby. you got to love me. Um, Just to <laughs> reveal. Year, dude. You know, the, the reason why the whole, um, but I'm clean, for those of you, I know we've mentioned no, this. No, you're not. Are you? <laughs> nice. I am. No, but the reason why the I'm clean is because Wilford Bramble played step Toe in right. the TV right. series, Steptoe and, Step, and Son, which here in the United States we know the spinoff or the much later Sanford and Son, which was not clean about the junkyard right. owner. And the whole idea was that in the TV series he was constantly dirty. Yeah, he was yeah, a dirty. You know, old he was man. a dirty old man. Right. Ha ha was the joke and the double entendre, dirty and physically dirty. And in in Hard Day's Night, it's funny because he's the 
lecherous. He's and, proposing and, to everyone, and, you know, and breach of promises. But and, he's and clean. The, and in the trailer, the British trailer, European trailer, yeah. it says Wilford Bramble. And it says Steptoe. Step yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, he was a selling point oh, for that movie, yeah. too. For the movie. Well, he yeah. was very known. The oh. Beatles were not. Right. I mean, they, right. they, they were, were. But he was, yeah. a, he but was he a star. Was, right. But he was an established actor. Yeah. Actor, So right. they, they wanted to lend the movie some acting credibility. And he really helps. Yeah. He really helps. Oh, I, oh he's brilliant. In the movie. And, yeah. and with Lester, the cool thing, too, was that I you wish there got, was an interview with him. Mm-hmm. You know, with Lester, if you think about it, one of the things that I thought was brilliant was that the Goon Show and the Goons never leave the Beatles' sphere. You had the Beatles working with George Martin and how amazing that was and how sort of the Beatles had an inherent trust of George Martin when he walked in the room because there was the credibility factor that George had worked with the goons. Now here they are doing their first venture into film and what do they get? A guy that worked with the goons. So... It was kind that's a, of that's a very good point. Yeah, so the both goons, sides of the Beatles, absolutely, music and, and visual and visual. So you actually like the goons were were sort of, and we're talking about the Goon Show. Yeah, Harry Seacombe, uh, Peter, Peter Sellers, Spike Mulligan. You got a, you know, the Goons has a touchstone. Yeah, for the Beatles in, in both media. I mean, it's which there. is kind of cool. All little ad libs, you know. I bet you can't guess what I'm in for. Yeah, I'm all yeah. that's yeah. definitely Brilliant. goons yeah. and, and Python stuff. Right. And one thing that's also mentioned in uh, a couple of things that come up, they talk about the Buster Keaton influence in picture wise, which is definitely true of some of the hijinks kind of thing. Well, especially during Camp Army Love. Well, yes. that, that whole scene oh, yeah. is it's um, all Keystone all, Cops, yeah. Buster Keaton, and the sort of sense of kind of as they put it, the working class realism that this film brought to the screen, which at that time in Great Britain was highly appreciated. Right. And also this was fun. I didn't I didn't realize the word grotty was invented Alan in Owen. that film. Yeah, Alan, Alan Owen created the word right. grotty. We right. always see in, in Beatle books growing up, it was always like, and the Beatle words like fab and gear and grotty, but fab and gear were pre-existing words. Yeah. Grotty was invented for, for, this. for the film, yeah, you know, short for grotesque. grotesque yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that takes care of picture. Well, one more thing about Dick Lesser, we've talked about he's not involved they did take an interview in the book that comes with the- It's a very studio. nice book. Yeah. With color pictures and nice Yes. Yeah, so there was an interview he did uh, in 1977 conducted by J. Philip DeFranco. Of the DeFranco family? Actually, it was done in 1970, but it appeared in a 1977 book featuring the shooting script of Hard Day's Night. So he has gone through it, but I guess oh, it was yes. so far ago. But there's no audio. It's just the interview, the interview. printed yeah. out, which is pretty cool. There's the sort of like in their own words. Well, hang on. Extra. First there's the trailers. Right after picture. Oh, yeah, picture. right, right. And right. again, we've talked, it's a 2002 re-release and the 2014 trailer. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah when, and if, again, if you don't watch the You Can't Do That, you don't see it. But right. if you're watching this, you're thinking, what? Yeah, Where? Right. I don't need to see a trailer from 2002 yeah. Yeah, and 2014. 2014 yeah. is nice because it's 2014. Right. But 2002? Right. Eh? Yeah, I would, it would at least have the 82 reissue because that was kind of a big deal when they yes. reissued and it. And at least it's 30 years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Not... Ten years old, Ten years right? Old. Twelve years yeah. old. Yeah. So if if you go in on a historic thing, you wish that you know each release it. They obviously make trailers for it. You know, you wish they'd done it, or yeah. maybe TV spots. You know, and, and I think there's color in the trailer too for 2002. Yeah. I think. Well, I think the the graphics were. Yeah, you know, but yeah, you're right. You're come right, on, it's a black right. and white film. Stop it. Yeah, I agree. So then there's Mark Lewison. So anyway, um, <laughs> we can keep going from the... No, no we have to talk a little bit about Mark Lewison. <laughs> Do we have I, to? Well, I, you know something? <laughs> I love you. I, 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 first of all, I liked seeing Mark Lewison do this. 
Well, because I did too. he's our friend. He is our friend. friend, but also too, you know, no, I appreciated I the but bringing because in because uh, he didn't do an audio book. Really, he did a little bit of the audio for his book, which well, is like very ten thousand pages. Right, right. Well, they, this, well, three or four people actually actually passed away during the making of the audio because it was so long. It, it was nice to see Mark. I'm on page 900 and... <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice to see Mark sort of doing a... It was sort of an EPK, electronic press kit for the, for the book. book. For his book, except yeah. it goes... Well, yeah. well, it's called The Road to a Hard Day's right. Night and it really is Mark Lewison talking about 1958 through... 1964, right. and he does mention it's their seventh year. What he calls the seventh year. Yes. Which so it, it is, yeah. It is, yeah, a, it is a great little EPK for Tune In. Yeah. It does go beyond Tune it does, In. It does, it does. It's about 28 minutes long, yeah. and it really gives a little insight to what may be coming in Volume 2. Right. It's nice to see Mark doing it, uh, although yeah, I, the much. running joke is that, you know, if he keeps, like, disappearing into the scene. We keep waiting for him to fall off to the fall chair. To fall off the right, yeah. Yeah, yeah he the, falls the, the off the, 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 the camera moves. The camera moves just ever so slightly, and he starts out all the way on, like, the. if you're looking at the screen, he starts out on, like, your far right. <laughs> and then he keeps and you going. Just, and he keeps going. Like, Almost little like by little, we scene. just kept, I just kept waiting for, like, another Terry Gill. A moment for just whoa, <laughs> and you hear, you know, sorry, Mark, off sorry. screen. <laughs> well, Mark has become a, a friend, so I like this. The one thing, too, is Mark is so well spoken, always, always. But, and but he my just, question for both of you <laughs> is, did it belong in a hard day's night? That's well, that I, well, we can be very critical, and you know I, what? I will say well, that critical is the wrong word. I, I just didn't think it belonged here. I, I was happy to see it. I think it did only because, again, it's back to the idea that every time you do something like this, every time you create a package like this, your goal is to make it the definitive version. So the idea being that we look at a hard day's night from having seen it a hundred times. Right. We are thinking and we are talking to on the show a fan base that have probably seen it many times. But there are going to be those who are going to be picking up this That's film. True. That part, you're right. I just, and they're going to you know need. You know what? It's like if my mom were to watch a hard day. Exactly. She's not reading Tune In. Yeah, because no, she's, she's not, not reading Tune In. So she's going to find Mark's segment really wonderful because it's going to bring her up to what she just saw. Oh, wow. This is and where they came from. In you know. 2014, there is, I cannot think of anybody else who is well, yeah. more well-versed yeah. on the Beatles' history right yes. now that you yeah. would want to do it instead. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I even don't... people in the movie, who would you want to be talking about the Beatles leading up to A Hard Day's Night than Mark Lewison? Oh, I he agree is with that the world. I, I I, we're not just kissing his butt here. No, but he you know, is. He's the though, foremost authority. Mark. Right, exactly. Yeah. So who else would you yeah. want to do it if they're going to do it? Who else would you want with to do With all due respect, you know, we love them both, but it ain't going to be Paul or Ringo. No. No. Even, no, you know. no, because you'd get thumbs up there, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't, I think they would look at it differently, you know. There was something online where Mark Lewison talks to Richard Lester, the British film thing, and he asked to go through each Beatle, and he said uh, Richard Lester thought that Paul was trying too hard. And there are a couple of little parts where he does, but there's a couple other parts where Paul is very natural. Where Paul, remember when Paul in the beginning, t he takes off the beard and he makes yeah. it seem like it's like this dramatic thing? Yeah. He didn't do that when he says, hey, let's leave Lassie in the kennel. Yeah. And then we all yeah. walk out, well, the, which was a great but scene. When he takes, but that see, was like a great scene for Paul. I didn't necessarily see overacting on Paul's part. Yeah, he's taken off that... That's that's glue, oh, man. I know, but that hurts like all hell. If you don't do that meticulously and carefully and dramatically, right. it's gonna hurt. Like you, you know, know what? I, but also, even the whole uh, you know, if you've lost him, I'll cripple you. You know, 
I always found that, that line that, oh, hysterically I like that. That was, funny. You know, and they're, I mean, and they're, they're seeing where they're in the dressing room, and he's like going. The camera like follows him for like a second. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like he's going like that. Well, he can't see me, but he's going like that. Well, and the only it, thing is that, that was fun. Yeah, the only overacting was really. At one point, Ringo on the train. We said, "Well, if he's your family, who knows?" Ha ha ha. That, that <laughs> does, but that's but that's but that intentional. Seemed, I know, that but it seems it seems forced. But, yeah. but listen, as far as the Lewis and thing, um, is it necessary? No. no. Are we glad? But that I, it was I, I him? agree with what uh, what Tony said. Right. You know, for people great, who've never seen it or not reading yeah. Tune In and right. need a background of where because he gives a background maybe of it will where, make them want to read Tune In well oh. yeah but uh, we're doing subliminal messages Tune In anyway tune in. but what Mark does is he gives a very good background into where musicals were at the time as well in right. terms of Beatles and, and music so I, I yeah that's true that's true too so because you don't realize you that yeah, and it, you start to see Hardy's Night in perspective not just in the past but also how it was going to be a seismic shift in what they did. Right, and seismic shift for any band in a music, you know, it wasn't now. not just the Beatles, just in general. Also, you bring that up, and um, one thing about You Can't Do That, the the making of special, is that Roger Ebert is in it, and he was always a big fan of A Hard Day's Night, and if he was still around and he didn't have that vocal problem, you know, where he lost his tongue or chin or whatever it was, he would have been the guy to go to still. He, he loved the movie. He loved the movie. One of his favorite movies of all time. One of his favorite musicals of all time. And he gives a nice little history. And I actually wish there was more of him. And you know, I, I got that from it. You can't do that. It's it's a pretty good making of. Well, I like the way they edited it together. I know it's it Roger off. as a historian mu- right. uh, movie-wise. Right. And Mark as a historian right. music-wise. So I right. think between yes. the two. But that Wait, did a- you say it's... Roger movie-wise. Movie-wise. Okay. Yes, Mark, and I Mark know, I music you said music-wise right. no. twice. So that takes us right into In Their Own Words, which is a new thing. Interviews culled from the time right. of the Beatles talking about A Hard Day's Night. And George himself talks about they didn't want to be in something like, you know, where they're only going to be a little band you know, doing one song with other acts. Right. So he sort of, after Mark talks about it, you get the Beatles yes, In Their Own the Words. Beatles talking about, yeah. yeah, so it validates everything yeah. Mark is talking I about. I appreciated. Uh, Paul, Paul's comment about we all worked with all Americans, you know, good fellas, you know, like they, he just it was very funny that you know it was Americans, yeah. We yeah there's some Americans. nice. Well, that's uh, in help. Yes. Let's Victor Spinetti <laughs> talking about so American plugs. So you, <laughs> you know, you do get in this segment in their own words. You get a lot of what now, the Beatles. Now I was about. trying to figure out was that part of those um, interview discs? They just put them from there. I wasn't able to figure I, it out or what, where these interviews came from. They didn't say where they're the from. The sources there. I know there were definitely a couple of clips from the BBC. Okay. Yes. Yeah. With yeah, the, you know, oh, the, beyond right. the, you know, right. such there and is such. Stuff. But there's also, there were, were interview discs sent to radio stations and stuff. Yes. You know, Fab Four on film was going to be released as mm-hmm. one, uh, the B-side of um, uh, uh, the, the, movie medley. the movie medley before it got canceled. Uh, so I was, as a collector, it would have been nice to ha- you know have all of that. <laughs> part of this too maybe sure. with the spots the commercials for a hard day's night you know, right. something like that just as a collector you know we collect this stuff and but you do get a lot of uh, insight from the period so that's i like that a lot and you get a lot of nice behind the scenes footage and photos well there were right. cool a couple of cool things that i noticed sort of like i was joking about foreshadowing it's like you see shots of ringo with the movie camera yeah right you know ringo with the camera ringo's sort of fascination with film Mm. Right. Which is cool. I had never seen the footage of George watching the rushes. Yeah, that's really neat. Color shots of the field scene, right? Right. Well, that's, that's what I mean, which was really cool. Color, which... And there are also alternate camera angles. 
of some of the shots that end up in the film. Right. So that whole thing was cool. And, and I also didn't know that the instance on the train was actually based on a real inc- incident that had happened to them, right. which was kind of cool. Right. A so. true story about the, the, the window shutting. And, and then right. there comes Anatomy of a Style. Huh? Yeah. Uh, this one, I what? think, we're trying to give the women their due, and I'm not. Uh, no, yes, and and I understand that. Yeah, and that's amazing. Well, because but the style was there, but yes, but who were these people? Well, they were. His, I mean, film historians, fashion designers, right? But I don't think they brought much to the table. No, but what I didn't like about it is, first of all, I hate when something comes in and tries to tell you why you like something. Yes. I hate that. I hate that well, when I mean with us. Granted, we, we then again we've been doing it for five years, but 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 it's different. It, it was a different thing. It was this whole you know the reason why you like is because no we no give our, we give our reasons at least you know I, well, I, they I, do well, too, they do but, but it's sort of but the editing of the film we understand it in the right, style but, and but the fashion you know but, Suzanne Perrick and Bobby Osteen they're certainly pleasant enough and they certainly do a nice job but. At no point on the screen do we really see there's cred as to why yeah, they, no credit, so these two people, should be are being it. brought in to talk to us about a Beatles film and about 1964 Great Britain styling. Like, I don't I mean, just don't is, see it. One is a film historian and one is a fashion designer. Right. So I, you, I just, you get it, but it, I don't think this was necessary. Let's put it this way. I'm not watching it again. Well, well no. I'll it, watch it, a, okay, a bunch of this stuff again. I won't you, watch you, I'll tell you, you want to bring somebody, and again, but here's where I'm going. I love the idea of the woman's perspective on it. I even like the idea of doing style. But if you want to spend a little money, you fly friggin' Patty Boyd and have Patty Boyd talk to you about the style in the film Hard Day's Night in 1964. Or, or th- My God, she could have given you the coolest commentary and about... That- you know, well, she's she's missing because you don't get her. I mean, she met George on the set right, for God's sake. Right. Became his wife. But can you imagine her doing the commentary about well, what? Well, here's what was going on and swinging. You know, it was pre-swinging London. Yeah, Here we that are. Would, that would be a good is, idea. My God, but it would have cost money. Or or you know? or, yeah. or are you? I don't know if there's ever been anyone who approached Edith Head. Yes. Who, uh, Edith Head yes. at the time was one of yes. the biggest. I don't know how you would even fashion designers fashion or, or design. yeah. of, of movies. Yeah, you know, she did Lucy. I mean, tons of movies. Edith had. I mean, her drawings are everywhere. And I wonder if maybe anybody ever spoke to her about the, the fashion of the time. Even if you didn't get Beatles specific. She, well, yeah, 60s. she she passed. Yeah, well, she I know she. Okay. I, I understand. But like an old re- interview or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. I would have liked. And and actually, obviously, I don't know if people know this, but just to know what Edith, who Edith had was the, the little character in The Incredibles that designs their. Uniforms is well, yeah, based, on, based Edith on Edith Head, correct? Yeah, that's what so, she I looked mean, like. But, so actually. this was kind of nice to watch once, but I'll never watch <clears> it again. Yeah, and be honest with you, that's being nice. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice tribute to the cinematography. The one thing that I thought was brilliant from the film historian standpoint was she brings up the point that the very opening of the film completely sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and that's a thousand percent true. Yeah, um, there is something to this segment; it merits watching. But it doesn't merit watching again. And, and I and I right. like they bring up the point about the fact that in the field when John's not there, there's also shots of John's boots. Yeah, like it's obviously supposed to be well, John's like boots Lester or shots from John's boots. It's Richard Lester. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. But, but you don't but, know that. But you exactly right. you don't know that, and you don't. I mean, until I knew that John wasn't present at the end of the shooting. Yeah. 
I didn't realize it. You know, right. all those who, years. Who who uh, I mean, John is in the scene, but he's not in a chunk of it yeah, because he's he's, he's, uh, he's you know, an award for his yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, he's not at the end, obviously, when the three of them. But walk um, off. well, that's kind of odd. Too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, and the shots like from the audience's point of view at at the end segment is really cool. Yes. Um, it, but and there's a spot in there where I saw a shot of the Beatles mumbling to each other and you wonder what the heck they're actually saying. There's a scene in the film where what scene? I can't remember which scene it is. And I'll have to uh, watch it again, watch, watch it again. Watch it again. <laughs> but there's a scene in one of the songs. I think it's where they're mumbling to each other and you just keep thinking to yourself, what did they just mumble to one another? Well, there's also in this movie to wrap things up. I mean, Paul does forget the lyrics on, on I Should Have Known Better, I think, twice. Yeah. And you yes. can tell he, like, yeah, he's, he's coy But he shouldn't be like, singing. He yeah. doesn't sing on the song. I know, but he's forgetting the and they're, But they're showing him right. while, right. while yes. John's well, John singing, singing. And he forgets the lyrics. Well, I love it. And, that, and, so, and even I'm Happy Just to Dance With You, George forgets the words, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and they all look at each other. And, and you could, I mean, come on. I, mean, I should have known better. John has the harmonica and he's singing. So, that, well, well yeah. what happened? So, it's fun. And it's I, not I, meant to be serious. No, and I, and I think part of this movie, I mean, you think about something like Have a Wild Weekend or Ferry Across the Mercy. These were all movies made at the same time as this. And this was made so much better. And well, those were made after. Right. Trying to cash in on this. Yeah. And they... Those were cash-ins. Right. None of them are mentioned as great c- cinematic feats. And, and, and maybe because the Beatles did it first. Maybe if Having a Wild Weekend came out first, maybe that would. Who knows? I hope But not. Me too. But <laughs> they were only made because the Beatles made theirs. Right. And, and you think about this movie... United Artists didn't care as long as it didn't go over budget. They, well, they were there they for the, the soundtrack. They wanted it. the soundtrack that was only for America. You know, they talk about that. Even though they did it late 63, the Beatles hadn't broken America yet. Right. right. So it's right. kind of interesting that they took this chance and, and got it, and it worked for America. And that's the only soundtrack they got. They didn't get help. But I think even, even seeing the Beatles' mannerisms and how they were handling themselves in press conferences and what they were doing in England, I think the worst comes to worst, the film would have been a huge success in England. Right. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, not broken here, but the music right. would have. Because oh, sure. Uh, and also the other thing about if you want to watch this, you should watch first U.S. Visit or What's Happening in America if you can actually sure. find that and sort sure. of sit down and, and have oh, a yeah. nice long day. Yeah. And yeah. you see very well put because they are so interconnected. They, they are connected, and you know, this is a fictional version, but there's a lot of things that yep. you know we've or seen both of them, life. and it's like. Oh, that's from real life, too, right and there. And watch Washington Coliseum, too. Yes. The only thing that was missing, because you were in Britain and it was different, was you didn't have the obnoxious DJ. Yeah, you didn't have, yes. you had the ridiculous, yeah. you know, director. Right. Of the, but be, you didn't have the, the. But there was uh, no, there was no point in the movie where you could have. No, but I'm but, just saying. Right. Had the film been based upon their experiences in America. Then there would have been. There would have been, the you know, Harry yeah. the J following the them around, you know. Murray, yeah, exactly. Bill, Bill Murray, Murray the K. K. Bill so, Murray the K. Yeah. So one, the Ruddles did that. All eyes are on Flushing. One, yeah. before we end this, there's one thing, or two things that I always was slightly bothered. Now, when I first become a Beatles fan, I don't know that. Paul's mother's dead when Paul's a young guy, and John's mother's dead. We don't know this. Right. In the movie, there's both references to Paul's mother and John's mother's being alive. I wonder- John's mother? Which, which part did that- uh, Memory says, I'm going to tell your mother on you. Oh, yeah. And, um, and Paul explaining the, the, you know, why the grandfather's right. there. I wonder how they felt about this. You know, the fact that it was in this script, did they ask him? Did they, they, obviously, they proved it because they did it. Uh, but I always wondered. I don't think they no, went I don't, too deep either. I, it was yeah, just I, don't think it was, I think it was just the idea that 
They're, it's just something I always thought about. Yeah, they're wholesome kids from wholesome yeah. families. And, you know, and, just the and, granddad is and, the perv. And watching, you know? and watching this movie, <laughs> George Harrison's a horn dog. Every girl in this movie, he is like literally trying yeah, to hit turns, on. Yeah, he turns, he cranes. His neck goes sideways <laughs> anytime a piece walks by. George is going. Well, like, he actually his tries neck to like is, pull off the right. bra strap or the, the costume yeah, strap yeah, while I'm he's talking talk. to Paul. Well, yeah, well, Paul's I, I, talking to the girl and he comes up and just like says, get away from me, Paul. I'm going to work on her. Yeah, I mean. And then uh, uh, also. Trying like, to fill a certain void. <laughs> Like the scene where Ringo's walking by and the woman's in the car and she winks at him. Uh, not, uh, you know, she wants him to come in and, and Ringo says no. And then he winks at her as yeah. she's walking by. Yeah. He's just he's just all over the place. He's freaking 20 years old, man. He's Or not even. Well, at the time. He's walking he's around about, with a perpetual. He's about 20. He's, he just he turned, just turned 20. He's walking no, 20. around. 20. Yeah. Oh, you're, no, 21. Same. Oh, right, 64. He's, he's, he's walking. I mean, hello, 21. Yeah. Did you not go? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> he's walking around with a perpetual. Guitar in his He was hand. pitching yeah. a hand. tent. And of course, you know, Camping. they don't say that John's married in real life at that point, and he's hitting on women left to right, too. Well, I think that was all the cheekiness of just the Beatles. So. Okay. Well. All right. Anyway, that uh, just about does it as we look at uh, the reissue for the- The reissue uh, of the reissue of the reissue the, of the reissue. Uh, the reissue, yeah, basically, because there's been other- There was the one re- where re- they re- came re- with the script- on the on a DVD was like a, a CD-ROM uh, thing. Yep. For which, in whoa, well, I don't even. I remember still one. have that one. I have, and it's worth about three dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, well, the fifteenth reissue, so to speak, That's of a, a Hard lot. Day's Night movie, released by Janice Criterion. Uh, one th- is that is that her name, Janice? Criterion? Yes, Janice. One thing, just as a, a little thing, I think Capital or well, Apple missed the boat by not doing a Hard Day's Night track. song track because there are other songs in the movie. And they should have been made and redone. Totally agree with you. Yeah. If they would have totally done that like they did for Yellow Submarine yep. and gave us everything I, I in the movie. I want to be your man. Don't oh. bother me. Right. Well, I don't want to bother you. But nice. No, but I think if they did that with an All My Loving right. and they put it out as a Hard Day's Night song track, right. would it have sold a million times, a million times over? No. But would it have sold a lot? Yes. Right. Would it have been maybe called a little hoary on their part? Maybe. No, but, I, think, know, I think. But I would have bought it in a minute. Because but I would have, I love I would have included like. A, and remix it like they did the song track. Yeah, I'm going to go home and make mine now. <laughs> You're not going to remix but it. But I would have included little clips from the movie. I would have had George's no. bit with the. I do like that idea. A little couple of actualities from yeah, the movie. No, then it becomes like BBC. You know what? Give me the song no, track. No, one, one from each. That's all. Give me the song track. That's how I would have done that, but then they didn't do that. But that's, that's a whole other thing. So anyway. Um, how do we rate our reissue for the 50th anniversary of A Hard Day's Night? We're going to rate this thing? Well, you know, did they get everything right? Sorry. Mitchell, what do you think? <laughs> do, we, um, do, do, do you not want to rate it? I'll rate it, but if you don't want to no, rate no, it. No, I'll rate it. I mean, I'm going to give it a 10 because I think- I think uh, they got it right. I, they got it right. I mean, other than that we little blip on the audio of the- uh, We could be picky, but- fell. How could you be picky? It's tough. It's a great movie, yeah. a great restoration, well worth it. And Mark Lewison's in it. And, yeah. Mar- and Mark Lewison's in it. How could you go wrong? Though I expected as the camera was moving along that his wife Anita was going to wave in the background. <laughs> yes. She we has love to get it. her we hand in there. She we always has to have it. a hand in everything. I mean, literally. Yeah. It, it, and that's an inside joke, that's people. But Mark, you'll get it. So what, what I wanted was I wanted a shot of Mark doing one of the jumps. I wanted Mark. I oh, wanted like, like, oh, like, like the background? Like the background, yeah. Sorry, that would be Richard Buskin. That's true. That wouldn't be Mark. That would be Richard Buskin, and we love you, Buskin. <laughs> Anthony, where do you give it? I give it a 10 also. I do, too. I, yeah, I, right. This How is one of those. Come on. Yeah, this is one. It's the bloody Beatles. You know what my favorite part of the whole movie is, though? The What's end? That? The scene where they're in the club, and they're just sort of hanging out. And they, That's they, the most true. And yeah. to me, it, yeah. th- this is where the Beatles are the coolest guys in the world. Yes. 
John is, is, is like holding a holding court. court. Holding court. Just eating chips or peanuts yeah. or whatever he's eating. Ringo is dancing. George is dancing. He's trying to pick up women again. They weren't acting. They weren't acting. They Paul, were probably told just go. Paul is smoking and like you know saying get away. There's something about that scene that is so perfect about what the Beatles were all about and yeah. why yeah. I think you know they why were, we they we were just damn scene. cool. They were just so cool in that scene. And that's that. And they weren't talking. They were just it was just music. Yeah, their music. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, their music. And that just about does it for this edition of the Fab Four Free For All. Thank you for listening. My name is Rob Leonard. I've been your moderator for today. And joining me as always has been... Grotty Mitch Axelrod. And... Geared Tony Trigorno. And I'm Fab Rob Leonard. Ah! (laughs) Take care and thank you. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Trigorno at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. I'm sorry, it's not doing it for me. No? Bulletin board, no. So I like those. I don't like bulletin board. Actually. I I, I, I like bulletin board. I don't know. I think I like crossword puzzle better, though, actually. <clears throat> well, you don't really like the Cassidy solo records, though. No, I'm not a big fan. But do you have the do you have the Bell stuff or just the RCA? Do you I have, have the, the RCA Bell. stuff or just the Bell stuff? I have just the Bell. Because the RCA stuff is where it gets... The RCA stuff is home is where the heart is. That's the one with tomorrow on it. <laughs>